Okay, if you brought a Bible, uh, we're in Second Chronicles in the Old Testament this morning. Uh, so if you're flipping back in your Bible, you come to Psalms, that's kind of right, right in the middle of your Bible. Keep going uh, toward the front, past Nehemiah, Second uh, Chronicles, chapter 14 is where we're going to start uh, this morning. Uh, title of the message, It's Time to Seek the Lord. And uh, I'm wondering if I could ask you to say that with me. Uh, it's time to seek the Lord. Let's say it together. It's time to seek the Lord. Now, there's a reason why I ask you to do that is so that you could uh, maybe give your neighbor an elbow uh, and tell them uh, it's time to seek the Lord. Will you do that? Tell your neighbor it's time to seek the Lord. Uh, it's, time, it's time to seek the Lord. Um, so let me start with a question this morning. Are you someone who is pursuing God? Is that how you would describe yourself in your life? Are you getting by? Or are you someone who's pursuing the Lord? Or just uh, desire for, for, for more of Him in your life? You're seeking after God. You want to know His heart in different areas uh, of your life. You want your words to be shaped by His heart you want uh, your interactions with people to be expressions of his love uh, to, to other people. I, I love this verse in Psalms, uh, Psalms 103, verse 7. And by the way, if you're visiting this morning, I do this all the time. I ask you to turn to a section of scripture, then I quote three or four verses uh, before, before I get there. So sorry, I'm just weird that way. But anyway, um, Psalms 103, verse 7 says, God made known his ways to Moses... And his deeds to the people of Israel. Let me think about that with you out loud a little bit here. God made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. I think we're all familiar with some of the amazing miracles that God did in the Old Testament. Of course, he, uh, you know, part of the Red Sea. And my favorite part of that, not only part of the Red Sea, but when the enemy tried to chase them, the sea closed in on them and their enemies were all destroyed. Do you know that's one of the most important things of salvation is your enemies have been destroyed? Uh, could someone say hallelujah? I know we don't feel it all the time. We have struggles in this life. But I want to tell you, in the end, you win. Your enemies have been destroyed. I, what a comfort we take in. There were so many miracles. I mean, God gave them water out of a rock as they traveled through the desert. God miraculously provided for uh, the nation of Israel. He provided manna uh, on the, on the, throughout the desert uh, to, to feed them. God carried them and cared for them. It says in this verse, God made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Unfortunately, although the people of Israel saw all the miracles that God did, they never learned God's heart. They never trusted him. They, they never really put their faith in him. They enjoyed his provision and his blessing. But Moses was the one who spent time with God and learned his ways and learned his heart. And I don't know about you. I want that in my life. I, I want to be someone who's uh, getting to know God's heart. It says in Isaiah 55, verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. It says in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 11, seek the Lord and his strength. 
seek his face always. Um, I have a granddaughter who's uh, seven, name is Natalie, and I love my grandkids, of course, when they get to come over to our house and play with Papa and uh, Grandma. And, uh, you know, she's on my lap, and she just, she, you know, she's just hanging out. We're reading a book or playing something fun. But she is fascinated with my face. I don't know what it is, whether it's all the wrinkles or, or, or my bald head. I don't know what it is. But she'll touch my face and look at my face, and she's just fascinated with my face. I hope she's fascinated with the love I have for her that she sees in my eyes. I hope she feels my compassion and my care for her, because I'll tell you, it's there, and it overflows. And I want that kind of relationship with God. Shelley did such a good job of talking about crawling up into God's lap, and sometimes that sounds hokey maybe to you, or maybe a little uncomfortable. Maybe you've never allowed yourself to use your imagination and think that God, who created all things, would allow you as his son or as his daughter to crawl up in his lap and play with his face or look in his eyes. But because of what Jesus has done, of course, we're capable of doing that. We can have that kind of relationship with God. It says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Well, this morning I want to start a little discussion with you, and these discussions turn into sermons. Sorry about that. But I want to start a little discussion with you uh, this morning about seeking God. I believe, for all of us here this morning, I believe it's time to seek the Lord. I believe it's time for the church to start. <laughs> and many of you have, I know, for years. And you've been drawing close to the Lord. I believe it's time for us to, to seek the Lord. So I'm going to start this morning with a little bit of a history lesson about a man named Asa in the Old Testament. He's one of the kings of Israel, the fourth king, uh, after King David. Many of you remember uh, King David's son was Solomon, and then Solomon's uh, son was Rehoboam, then Abijah, and then Asa uh, became king. What's interesting, uh, here in Second Chronicles, uh, Asa's life covers three chapters in the Bible, 14, 15, and 16. We're going to look at portions, small portions of all of them. Trust me, this last service got out earlier than any service we've had at this church in a year. So... There's hope for you this morning, okay? But we are going to cover three chapters, and we're going to learn a little bit about uh, Asa's story. Anytime the Bible takes that long to, to describe someone's life and tell their story, there's something significant about it. Because, of course, when they wrote the Bible, they had to do it by hand. And everything is recorded in history very compactly, and they only draw out these significant moments or these significant lessons that all the nation of Israel, or you and me, in the day we live, are, are intended by God to be learned. So there are several things uh, in Asa's life that are just really important for us to learn. So let me begin reading in verse 1 of Second uh, Chronicles chapter 14. Uh, it says, Abijah, uh, kick the bucket. Uh, it doesn't say it that way. It says he rested with his ancestors and was buried uh, in the city of David. Asa, his son, succeeded him as king, and in his days... The country was at peace for 10 years. There's a reason for that, by the way. We'll come to it in a moment. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes 
of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. And I'll talk about that in, in, in a little bit. Verse 4, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord. Can you imagine someone in the United States commanding us to seek the Lord? <laughs> How many of you would say, hallelujah? Wouldn't that be awesome? Governor Brown, new, new, new order. Okay, everyone, I want you to seek the Lord. Everyone needs to go to church. Everyone needs to read their Bible. Everyone needs to memorize these scriptures. How do you think that would go over pretty good? Especially in Portland. Okay, probably not so much. And to be honest, it didn't go over well in Israel. Even though they were a nation that was founded on God and founded on his miracles and his words, they had fallen away from God. But he commanded, commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and the incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace. So they had time, they had money, resources to reinforce these strategic cities that were part of their defense against uh, some of the countries that surrounded them. Uh, no one was at war with him during those days, for the Lord granted him rest. Now, I don't know that we really understand the significance of that. We see a lot of unrest here in the United States. We see a lot of unrest in Israel, with Palestine. There's a lot in the news constantly. So we understand unrest, but they were in terrible disarray. For almost 100 years, Israel had gone through a season of turning their back on God and falling away from the Lord. You remember King David was a man after God's own heart, and he literally led the nation of Israel in revival. Uh, he brought the people back to God with him. He had a heart uh, for God. He taught the nation to worship. If you've ever read in the book of Psalms, he taught them songs to sing. David literally hired singers and musicians to worship God in the temple 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week constant worship before God and so the nation was brought back to God he established schools schools of the prophets to teach the word of God and the, and the ways of God that that the people of Israel had lost sight of God was uh, David was an amazing leader Solomon started out great but you know later in Solomon's life he began to fall away from the Lord of course because he married what does it say he had 600 and some wives and a thousand porcupines, I mean concubines. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> How do you do that? Obviously, these, these were alliances with other kings and other kingdoms. A lot of the marriages were arranged. This king would give his daughter, talk about a lousy job, give this daughter to Solomon as one of his hundreds of, of, of wives. But uh, as a result of that, all of the idolatry that were part of those nations. How many know it's hard to say no to your wife? I know we love them, but it's hard to say no. And God had actually commanded Israel not to have foreign wives, and yet Solomon allowed it, and they led Solomon away from God. They led the nation, allowing idolatry to come into the nation, away from God. Rehoboam, the next king, 
he not only allowed idolatry, he promoted idolatry within the land. He started removing prayer from schools, from uh, the, the things that were of God, started removing them from the culture. And uh, Abijah was an absolute reprobate. Not only did he allow, promote, he insisted he put prophets of God to death, priests to death. He was a, he was a, he was a very wicked man. How many know what one generation allows in moderation, the next will excuse in excess? It's interesting how a culture, a nation, a church, a people, a family, what one generation allows in moderation, the next will excuse in excess. And and we see that uh, throughout history, and of course it had happened uh, here uh, in Israel. Asa wanted to bring Israel back to God, wanted to turn their hearts back to God. He literally, in verse 4, commanded them, if you can imagine, commanded them to seek the Lord. Jump down to verse 11. About 10 years after he became king, uh, the Cushite army, uh, army attacked uh, uh, Judah and uh, Jerusalem. They had a million soldiers. Can you imagine? 100,000, excuse me, 300,000 chariots. In verse 11, it says, Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there's no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Verse 12, the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Now, such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces, and the men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. Tremendous victory and uh, uh, Asa, of course, is returning now to Jerusalem with all the plunder and celebration and victory. Go to chapter 15 with me, verse 1. As he returns from battle, battle, uh, a prophet of the Lord comes out to meet him. I'm going to begin reading verse 1 of chapter 15. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came on Azariah, son of Oded. Uh, he, he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him. And he was found by them. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful? Even when you've been away from the Lord, you can repent and turn back to God and and he will be found by you. You'll find his refreshing and his mercy and his love. Verse 15. In those days, it was not safe to travel about. For all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another. One city by another. Because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong. And do not give up. For your work will be rewarded. Can I, can I read that? Again, such a powerful verse. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work 
will be rewarded. Would you tell your neighbor your work will be rewarded? Now the prophet Azariah came to encourage Asa. And Asa became even more zealous. <laughs> and uh, let's jump down to verse 16. It says, King Asa also deposed, literally means be removed. Uh, King Asa also deposed his grandmother, Micaiah, uh, from her position as queen mother uh, because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. Uh, Asa cut it down, broke it up, and burn it in the Kidron Valley. You know, you read verses like that and you go, what? What is that? Have you ever had a struggle in your family? You ever had dysfunction or unhealthy control, someone doing something wrong? You know it's wrong. Everybody knows it's wrong, but no one does anything about it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. The rest of you are liars. But Sometimes there's an emotional attachment. Sometimes there's a sentimental attachment to something we all know is wrong and unhealthy. It's in our culture. It's in our government. Sometimes it can be in a church. Something that's unhealthy, that's not being confronted, that, that's not being dealt with. And that's kind of what's happening here. Asa's grandmother, apparently the wife of, if you go back two generations, Rehoboam, had an honorary title called Queen Mother, what's that all about? Well, uh, can I, I want to be careful here not to say too much, but uh, the Asherah says that she made a repulsive Asherah pole for the worship of Asherah. It faults God. Asherah was actually a female deity, supposedly, uh, a goddess of fertility. Okay, so, uh, and was referred to as the Queen of Heaven, the Queen Mother. Apparently, she was a leader of this movement for the worship of, of Asherah. She made a repulsive image, and I'm not going to go into detail. You can go on Google and find it. But basically, Asherah poles were somewhat pornographic in nature. She's the, remember, deity, goddess of fertility. And so, uh, anyway, this is a grandmother making a porn pole. Sorry, this is a little sick. How many know pornography has always been a part of culture? The worship of false idols, uh, pornography. They didn't have the internet back then, so they put it on a pole. They didn't have it back then, so even in the early 16, 1800s, they made statues that didn't have clothes on. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, paintings, you go through Europe, and there's paintings that are uh, exposing. There, there's nothing new under the sun. Okay, there's nothing new under the sun. It's been part of our culture. Don't look at me so holy. You know what's going on in our culture today. Here's what I like. Asa stood up against it. In spite of the fact that it was coming from his own family. He stood up against it. He cut the Asherah pole down. And removed it from the culture. And can I tell you, not everybody was happy about it. But Asa had the courage to honor the Lord. It's, it's really, you know, when you understand some of the things that were happening, it's amazing to see what was going on in the culture. Unfortunately, even though Asa had done so many things to turn the nation back to God, 
things started to go wrong. In his 36th year, we don't know exactly what happened. Maybe Asa began to get proud. Maybe the Lord had blessed him so much financially, he didn't need to depend on God anymore. We don't know. Maybe he got comfortable. Maybe, you know, when you get older, you don't want to fight. Maybe he didn't want to seek the Lord and trust the Lord to fight for him. But basically, what happened is the ten northern tribes of Israel came against Jerusalem and Judah and King Asa. And rather than seeking the Lord, he hired the king of Aram to help him. In other words, he hired this foreign king. And uh, this king happened to be one of the most powerful kings in the world at that time. He had this clever political scheme. If I hire him to attack the Israelites, they'll be drawn away from attacking us, and they'll become our friends. And so we'll solve two birds with one stone, so to speak. It seems so clever. In fact, it worked. And all the people were running around Jerusalem high-fiving. Asa, isn't he awesome? He brought about great victory. But unfortunately, God was not pleased because he hadn't honored the Lord put the Lord first in his life. How many know that you can make money? You can even look successful on the outside. That doesn't always mean that God is pleased. It doesn't always mean that you honor the Lord to get where you are. God sent a prophet to confront Asa in chapter 16. You can go there with me, verse 7 through 9. It says, at that time, Hanani, the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped your hand. I would have given you victory over him, and you would have been at peace for generations to come. Verse 8, Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those who hearts, whose hearts are fully committed to him. Let me read that verse again. It's such an important verse in the Bible. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing. That's a pretty brave statement from a prophet against a king. You have done a foolish thing. From now on, you will be at war. And of course, for the rest of his life, Asa was at war. Interesting, verse 10, it says, Asa was angry. He, he's confronted, he's convicted, but instead of repenting, he got angry. Asa was angry with the prophet because of this. So he, he was so enraged that he put him in prison. Then at the same time, Asa brutally oppress some of the people. So the wheels are coming off at this point in Asa's life. Uh, he becomes enraged. He becomes bitter. His heart becomes hard. He's not willing to seek the Lord. He's not willing to repent. And it starts going downhill. He starts oppressing people around him. Isn't it amazing how you love to blame people in your life for the anger in your heart? You take it out on other people when you know what you're doing is not right. You cover conviction by acting out anger toward other people. It's amazing how uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Verse 12. In the 39th year of the reign of Asa, uh, 
excuse me, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Uh, though his disease was severe, uh, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from physicians. You see this falling away that's happening, this resentment toward God, this hardness of heart uh, to toward God. Verse 13, then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. They buried him in a tomb uh, that, had, uh, that he had cut out for himself in the city of David. Uh, they laid him on a briar covered with spices and various blended perfumes. And they made a huge fire in his honor. Everybody roasted marshmallows and hot dogs. And went home to celebrate. No, never mind. Obviously, the nation tried to honor Asa for all the good he had done. But secretly, even though he looked successful on the outside, God was not pleased. How many know not everything that starts well finishes well? Not every nation that starts well finishes well. Not every person who starts out with faith uh, finishes well uh, in their life. Uh, not every church that starts well uh, finishes well. In the book of Revelations, if you've ever read the revelation that John has uh, at the end of the Bible, uh, chapters 2 and 3, Jesus uh, speaks to the churches in uh, the region of Asia, Asia Minor at that time. And they all started out well, and he commends them for how they started. But then he begins to confront how they've begun to fall away. One of them had lost their first love. Another one had begun to actually allow compromise. Another one condoned, literally condoned sin, and then others taught sin, promoted uh, immorality and... Uh, uh, the last church, Church of Laodicea, they were looked at as being amazing. Uh, their social programs and all the social welfare things that they were doing in their city was uh, respected by everyone around them. But they had lost their heart for God. In fact, Jesus says they were lukewarm, and because they were, he wanted to spew them out of his mouth. They lost the power of the gospel. They, they had forgot that people needed to be born again we need the power of the holy spirit we need to be changed from the inside out in our life and of course uh, jesus loved every church and he encouraged them gave them promises and then he said to him who overcomes i don't know how long you've been a christian but if you've known christ for very long at all uh, one of the things you understand is how hard it is to keep overcoming, to keep dealing with the things within ourselves, our sin nature. How many know that dealing with your sin nature, it's a breeze. It's really easy. Yeah, I never have a problem. You know, every day is joyful. I'm walking on clouds. and You know, I never have a lustful thought. I'm never greedy. I never get angry. I'm just amazing. Walk on water. Anyone else? You know, one of the most discouraging things after you get saved is you have to deal with your sinner. Over a long period of time, you've got this sin nature. The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. 
That's why God invites us to seek him. Keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking. You know, many of us, in fact, I, I want to encourage you this morning. Many of us have had encounters with God, haven't we? Where, not because you deserved it, God just showed up. It's just, anyone else? He just showed up. And I could tell you my story. I won't today. But uh, moments where we have encounters with God, where we recognize that God is real. Aren't you thankful that God is real? And that he's holy. In other words, he's not a part of this world. He's outside this world. There's another realm. And God is almighty. He's all powerful. And in those moments of encounter, we feel his love for us. We, we, we realize he's all-knowing. He's amazing. There's moments of absolute peace, incredible joy. You know everything's okay. He's in control. And then it's like, He's silent for weeks or months sometimes as we walk by faith, not by sight. I love the encounters. I hope you've had at least one. I hope you've had many. I really believe that we have many encounters with the Lord uh, in our journey. Some of us, the encounter was very subtle. It just You just begin, I need to go to church, or I, 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 I want to learn to read the Bible, or in a church service, there's, there's the reality that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's just, it's subtle. Others, if it's dynamic. But in between, there's this challenge the Holy Spirit gives us to seek the Lord, to keep seeking the Lord, and to press into Him, and press into His presence, and press into His love, and press into His power. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Seeking him. Day after day, week after week. Some days we're better at it, aren't we? Others days, not so good. But we keep seeking. We keep asking. We keep knocking. I want to encourage you this morning that life is hard. It's so easy to be, get discouraged. It's so, e so easy to get jaded, to build up resentment, for our hearts to, to become cold, for us to get comfortable maybe with where we've, quote, unquote, arrived in our life. But I want to encourage you today. It's time to seek the Lord. I believe God wants to do a new thing in your heart. I believe he has deeper revelation of himself that he wants to bring to you. It's time to seek the Lord. Do you know how much God delights in you? The, the Bible says God so loved. He so loved the world. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. And I want to read Psalms 149 verse 1 through 5 here this morning. It says, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise him with dancing. Uh, make music to him with tremble and harp and electric guitar and keyboards and drums in the back. This is why. Verse 4. For the Lord takes delight in his people. Can I read it again? 
For the Lord takes delight in his people. I, I don't know about you, but when I'm having a quiet time with the Lord and I come to a phrase like that, I have to stop. And I have to try to let it sink in. The Lord takes delight? Are you kidding me? The Lord takes delight in me? I think he needs to have his eyes checked. or so. I don't know. He takes delight in me. The Lord takes delight in his people. It says in Zephaniah chapter 3, he dances over us with singing. Can you imagine? Delight. He delights in you. You know, when you come to God, I, you're like me. You think about all your weaknesses. You think about all your mistakes. You think about all the reasons why he shouldn't like you, don't you? And you just start checking them off. Bad, 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 crummy, crummy-er, <laughs> totally wicked. At least you know the truth about you. But because of what Jesus has done, in Jesus Christ, in Jesus, I am forgiven for all eternity. In Jesus, I've been born again. I've become God's son or his daughter. Did you know that? In Jesus, you are God's daughter. He delights in you. You are God's son. And, and that's why we rejoice. This goes on and says in verse 5, Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. I'm probably just headed to sleep when I get to bed. But in the morning when I get up, that's the first thing I do. I've been doing it for about 45 years. And I do it by faith, not because I feel it, because, but because the Lord invites me to and he reminds me he delights in me he loves me and he invites me to come and rejoice and to seek him and and to celebrate him can i tell you as we get ready to go here there are only two kind of people in the world people who seek the lord and people who don't seek the lord that's it only two kinds of people in the world people who seek the lord and people who don't seek the Lord. I get a chance to share with a lot of people and sometimes people uh, right away will tell me they're a Christian. I don't always know what that means. In the back of my mind I'm asking, but do they seek the Lord? I mean it's one thing to label yourself as a Christian because you got baptized one day or you attended church. But the question is, do you seek the Lord? Because there's only two kinds of people in the world. <laughs> people who seek the Lord and people who don't seek the Lord. Sometimes people tell me I'm Catholic. I don't care. The question is, do you seek the Lord? I, I'm Methodist. I'm Presbyterian. I'm, who cares who you are? Do you seek the Lord? Do you seek the Lord? That's what counts. That's what matters. God so loved the world that he gave his son. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe it enough to seek him, to want to know him, to see his face, to, to know his heart? I believe it's time to seek the Lord. Isaiah 55, verse 6, let me read it again. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I, I was talking to a brother. Actually, I used to go to this church years ago, and I haven't seen him for a long time. And, and I don't know what it is about people sometimes, you know, when I start talking to them, they start confessing their sins. And I don't, I don't know, is there a shirt? Something on my shirt that... But anyway, 
He said, I've, I haven't been doing very well. I haven't been following God. I've been away from God. And so, you know, I don't, I'm not judging him. He said, but a friend I used to know texted me, just reached out, how are you doing? And he said, when I read the text, I felt like it was God calling me back to him. I said, really? He said, I think God's calling me back. God is so faithful. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. There are times in your life where God is near. Maybe he's near to you this morning. It's time to seek the Lord and to call upon him this morning. There are times when you sense his presence. It's times for you to seek the Lord. Sometimes he calls us back to him. I want to encourage you as we close here this morning, don't miss your opportunity. Seek the Lord while he's near. Call upon him that he may be found by you. I'm going to invite the worship team to, to come on out. And I'm going to close with this. It's Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Uh, here's what the Lord says to you this morning. He says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things which you do not know. I'm going to invite us to stand together. And uh, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what season you're in or what the Lord is doing in your life. But the Lord says, call to me and I will answer and show you unsearchable things you do not know. C could I tell you this morning? Some of you need to seek the Lord and ask them, Lord, how can I love my wife? She needs to feel loved. She needs to know she's loved. How can I love her more completely than I ever have before? Some of you need to seek the Lord and ask him, Lord, how can I love my husband the way you love him? He needs to be loved. How many men would say amen to that? He needs to be loved. You're afraid to raise your hand because your wife will slug you. It's true. Men need to feel loved, and it's very hard for us. Ladies, it's very hard for you to feel loved. Very hard. It's very hard for us as men to feel loved, and yet we all desperately need love from God and from others. And I want to encourage you, seek the Lord. Ask him, how, how can I do that? I want to encourage you to seek the Lord. What should I do with my finances? How should I manage them? Lord, so that I can be effective in my family in providing. Seek the Lord about his will in your business or, or in the way you use your time. We're heading into summer. I, I love summertime because, you know, I can get up earlier. And, you know, the sun comes up about 4.30. I mean, but it's such a chance to get out in the woods or fishing or wherever you like to go. And how many know God is there? You don't have to look around. He's, just, he's everywhere. It's time to seek the Lord. And I want to encourage you to seek him with me over this next season. Next week I want to talk about uh, seeking the Lord during sorrow and grief because uh, it's, it's Memorial Day. And I know many of us have been through losses. This last year has been a loss. And there's a lot of grief inside of us that we've not really addressed or talked about. So I'm going to talk about seeking the Lord uh, through a season of uh, sorrow or, or grief.
But I invite you with me as we close this morning just to offer yourself to the Lord. And maybe you're not as comfortable as I am raising your hands. That's fine. It's more, mostly important about your heart. Lift up your heart to God. Say, God, I want to seek you. I want to know you. Father God, I ask forgiveness for my sins today. And the fears that keep me from seeking you. Sometimes I don't feel worthy. Lord, and I just ask you to help me lay aside my fears and my anxieties just to seek you all of my heart. Help me receive your love. Help me receive your forgiveness. I thank you for what you've done for me through Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for him. Thank you we can come through him, put our faith and trust in him. Thank you for that here this morning in Jesus' name.